Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Now this thing has broken him, and now enough is enough. My people are now eating their children because of this. I cannot take this anymore. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Uh, Second Kings, the sixth chapter. We were here on last week. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day and for your, the richness of your word. Lord, I do pray that you would communicate your word such to your people that all of those that hear would also understand. And that Holy Spirit as well, that you would just teach them as your truths are imparted, that you would just teach them directly and, and lead them in the way that they should go. Uh, teach your people how to apply this word, that it may be uh, used in their lives and that they may grow and benefit from it. And Lord, I do pray that they will experience victory, that everyone under the sound of my voice will, would experience victory in their lives. Victory, victory, victory in Jesus' mighty name. Let every heart say amen. All right. Well, we will hear, We were here on last week, and we're going to continue here. And we're in a series entitled uh, Overcoming uh, the Armies of Hell. Overcoming the Armies of Hell. And we're seeing some wonderful truths here in the book of Second Kings, the sixth chapter. I believe last time we really stopped um, uh, in verse number, 20, uh, verse number 23 when Elisha, rather Eli, yeah, Elisha, led the army, led the Syrian army into the camp of, of Samaria. And they realized, okay, well, we were, they realized that they were there now and uh, they were defeated. Uh, let me back up just a little bit for those of you that were not here. Uh, what's happening here, the Syrian king had sent uh, his army uh, to seize or to take hold of, of, of Elisha and his servant because Elisha had been telling the king of Israel all of the plans that the king of Syria was forming against the people of God. So when the king of Syria was coming to uh, take away or coming to steal, kill, or destroy from God's people, well, the man of God stood up and whispered to the king, don't go over to such and such place because the enemy is going to attack you over there. And that happened so many times that the king of Syria asked, sing up, uh, king of uh, Syria, asked his generals, who among us is for the enemy? They said, nobody, king, none of us. It's that, it's that Elisha over there. He's telling, uh, he's telling the king of Israel what you even do in your bedchamber. He's really that much into God. God is revealing that much uh, about you, king. He's, in, he's telling us, telling the, uh, the king of Israel about your plans. So the king gets angry, king of Syria gets angry, and he goes out. And uh, he tries to take hold of, of Elisha, uh, and uh, they, the army comes to Elisha by night, and they surround the city. And when daybreak comes, uh, Elisha's servant gets up, and he goes out, uh, probably for a morning walk or to get some water or something, and he realizes that there was an army all around them, and he knew what was going on. And he goes before Elisha, Elisha and says, Master, alas, Master, what are we going to do? And Elisha says to him, fear not. God's got this. Fear not. He says, open their eyes. Elisha talks to the father and he says, Father, God, open his eyes, open my servant's eyes so that he may see. 
Well, then the Lord hearkened to the prayers of Elisha, and the servant saw that the mountain was full. The mountains were full of chariots of fire. God's holy army, his heavenly army, had surrounded Elisha. And there were more with them. There were more, far more, a vast number of angels on chariots of fire, warriors that were about to take up Elisha's call. So it was no problem. Fear went out the door once the servant could see those heavenly resources. Well, of course, uh, the enemy decided to come down and take hold of Elisha as they had planned. But when they did that, Elisha lifted up his voice toward the father and said, Father, smite them with blindness. And so the our whole army smote with blindness. Uh, they were confused. And Elisha went out to meet them and said, well, this is not the place and, uh, you know, where you need to be. I'll take you to where you need to be. And Elisha led the people, led that whole army, that whole army that was so very confused. He led the entire army right there into um, the city of Samaria. And there were waiting uh, the, the uh, Israel's finest soldiers and warriors. So when they when when they got to Samaria, uh, Elisha said again, of course, I'm sure making sure that the army of Israel were surrounding this enemy now. So they were surrounded themselves. And Elisha said to the father, open their eyes now, father, open their eyes. And the Lord heard Elisha prayer and he opened the Syrian army's eyes and they saw, oh, we're in trouble. We are surrounded. We are in the enemy's territory. What are we going to do now? Well, the king of Israel came out to Elisha and said, Father, my father, what should I do? Can I kill him? Can I kill him? Huh? huh? Can I kill him? But Elisha said, no, would you kill the people that you took as prisoners? He said, no. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and fix him something to eat, give him some water and send him back home. And that's exactly what took place. The Lord delivered there. He delivered. Now, what I want you to see, too, something we did not say was in uh, the chap, the top of chapter six. Uh, as there was another servant that was in trouble. Uh, in verses 1 through 7, we see here that uh, the men of God or the school of prophets were about to build another school and, uh, or a place of worship, place of prayer, uh, because the place that they were in were too small. Their number was growing. And so they were out there chopping some wood, and one of the servants had borrowed an axe. He borrowed an axe because, you know, that was something really, that was a very expensive thing in that time. And uh, he borrowed an axe for the work of the ministry to help build the house. And as he, as the Bible says in verse number five, but as one was felling, uh, uh, felling a beam or cutting or chopping on a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Now, I want you to see something in that we, we got so far two men in trouble. Now, look at verse 5. Make special note of verse 5 and also verse, verse uh, 15. Verse 5 says again, Alas, master, for it, was ba- for it was borrowed. Now, look at verse 15. The latter part of verse 15 says, Alas, master, how shall we do? You see these? These are two servants uh, that are crying out, crying out to Elisha. Now, Elisha here is, of course, in this uh, text, representing the presence of God, representing God. The man of God represents God in the earth. And, of course, he's moving with power, so we know that the Father is also with him. 
So uh, the first servant here says, alas, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, uh, where fell it? And he showed him the place and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither and the iron did swim. Something impossible. Uh, this big iron head, heavy, began to swim. It, 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 it began to float from the bottom of the uh, lake here or the river. It began to float from the bottom and come to the top. Now, iron does not float. It does not happen. Are you with me? An iron axe head will not float. This was something incredible that God had done. So the first servant here cries out when he sees the danger. Um, he cries out, oh, my God, it was borrowed. Save me. And uh, the Lord delivers. Now, let me back up for a moment and tell you, we're speaking from the subject today of when enough is enough. Now, when enough becomes enough for you, then you have the possibility of great victory if you act. Okay, when enough is enough. Here, the servant, the first servant we see here borrowed, he borrowed, uh, he got in debt to do the work of the Lord. And when he saw that he could no longer pay back the debt because the axe head had gone into the uh, river or the lake here, the stream, he cried out to the Lord for deliverance. So this first servant was crying out uh, for deliverance from debt, crying out to the Lord for deliverance from, the, from debt or money problems because he would have had to pay that back. And that axe head was extremely expensive. He would have to pay that back. Okay, so this was a debt that was canceled miraculously when this axe head began to float. Or King James says began to swim. So the first servant cried out for deliverance over financial troubles. And uh, understand, this was a cry that was from the inside, from his insides here. Uh, we've heard the term cry out in Scripture many places. Uh, but in the term cry out, there's also the term, the word cry. There's a deep groaning, a deep utterance that comes from within. Alas, master, there is a travail that comes from within as we seek the face of God. Now, if this servant had said nothing, he would have gone back home and had probably spent years and years trying to pay off of this debt. When that was not God's plan, the Lord wanted to restore him instantly, but he had to cry out before the Lord. Here, also in the verse 15, we see um, here uh, Elisha's servant that was crying out here as he went outside. He saw the enemy army. He began to cry out uh, because of the Syrian army. This represented safety or security. He saw these people coming to kill him, coming to take something from him, coming to destroy well, he cried out, alas, my master, there was a groaning that came from within. Enough was enough for him. I can't. They were both saying, I can't take this. What am I going to do? The man with the ex said, I can't take this. What am I going to do? Uh, the servant of Elisha, what am I going to do? There's nothing we can do. This is too big for me. This is too much for me. They cried out before the Lord. And what happens? There was an immediate response. Now, this is taking place here again in chapter number six of the book of Second Kings. So now let's go to verse number 24. Having that understanding. Are you all still with me today? 
Verse 24 says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. Understand something. Now, King Ben-Hadad, now Ben-Hadad means uh, the son of Hadad, and Hadad was a false god. Okay? So he was the false god king coming against the king of Israel, God's king. Okay? This was a spirit. Now, we can bring this into modern-day time now uh, because the king of Samaria wasn't doing anything to Ben-Hadad. They were just there. Remember that uh, Elisha brought the army to Syria, or rather to Samaria. Understand something. Elisha left Dothan telling the army, hey, y'all, follow me. Well, where did he take them? He took them to Samaria. So because of an act of God, because God has showed out so much in your life, you're now on the devil's radar. Now, somebody's going to get that. You're not doing anything but doing what the Lord told you to do, and now you're on the enemy's radar. He knows that his last army was defeated so bad, they ran back to him with their tails tucked between their legs. They couldn't do anything. God so whooped them so bad. And so now King uh, Ben-Hadad, uh, the false god king, now he says, well, if I can't get to you, I'm going to stop Um, I'm going to stop things from getting to you. If I can't get my hands around your neck, if I can't destroy you, well, I'll just stop resources from coming to you. He's going to stand on the outside of your life and stop resources from coming to you. He's going to, it is his intent to dry you up, to cause you to dry, to cause you to wither from within. So he'll stop having people to give you a pat on the back. He'll stop telling people, or rather he'll have uh, or convince people to, to stop trying to say kind words to you. and Or he'll stop checks from coming. Whatever he can do to dry you up, that is what he's decided to do. That's what King Ben-Hadad decided to do. Are y'all with me today? I want you to pray with me. Are you with me? And so King Ben-Hadad, uh, he, he uh, sent all his hosts, that is his entire army now, his entire army is now encamped against, they're all surrounding uh, Samaria here. They're besieging it. And now here again, besiege, that means, that means, of course, to cut off completely. Nothing goes in and nothing comes out. You're going to stay right where you are in that same condition until you die. That is exactly what was going on at that point. And that is exactly what a lot of our lives are like today. We're going to stay right in the same condition with the same problems, the same worries, the same concerns until we die. But the people of God have to rise up against it. Now, let me show you something. Now, this gets extremely interesting. In verse 25, it says, uh, and there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head or a donkey's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dung of um, dove's dung, which was a which was wild grass that grew out, uh, was for uh, five pieces of silver. Now, if we're not very familiar with the uh, um, 
with the terms of money back then, understand silver is still valuable today. So you're talking about uh, a donkey's head selling for four score. Now, a score is 20. So uh, four times 20 is 80. 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head so you can eat it. That's a lot of money for an animal's head so that you can eat it. There's not a lot of meat in a donkey's head. I I have never tried, never seen it. I don't want to see it. But I would not think that there was a lot of meat in a donkey's head. But the famine was so severe that even something like that was extremely valuable. Prices skyrocketed because there was nothing else to eat in the land. And even wild grass that was growing out in the field called dove's dung was going for how much? For five pieces of silver, even wild grass out there, the stuff that the animals would just chew on. Now you eating it. And it's very expensive. Are you with me? So this famine has come. Why did the famine come? Did it come because God was sending the famine? Did it come because God was judging Samaria because of something that the Samaritan king or the people had done? Why was the famine in the land? Because of King Ben-Hadad, because of his army that was stopping the trade routes. Nothing could go into Samaria and nothing could come out of Samaria. King Ben-Hadad had stopped it from going in. Are you with me? Now, that's very important. Now, who caused the famine? Say the king. Who caused the famine? King who? Ben Hadad. Who caused the who caused the famine? King Ben Hadad. All right, that's very important because that talks about our lives today. Because we can get into a place where we, where we begin to blame God for our current situation, and that's exactly what the king of Israel did, as we'll see further on down. He began to blame God. It's because of you, Lord, that I'm in this situation. You have caused this to come unto me. When it's not the Lord, it was King Ben-Hadad, that false god, that false god king. It was the devil that was hemming stuff up. All right. Now, if you think it is God that is causing this to happen to you, you won't fight. Because you say, well, I can't fight against God. And so you just submit to it and you'll stop. But if you realize, if your eyes are open and if you realize that this is because of the enemy, then you can resist him and he'll flee. All right. Verse 26. And it says, and the king of Israel was was uh, passing by on the wall. Uh, uh, rather, when he was passing by on the wall, there was a, a woman rather there cried a woman unto him saying, help me rather help my Lord. O king. Now, stop here for a second. Now, the Bible does not say how long this besiege has taken, how long the enemy has been encamped about uh, the city of Samaria. Now, I want you really to take hold of this now. Really take hold of it. Really take hold of this. doesn't say how long this has happened, but it's happened long enough for the people to start looking at heads of donkeys to eat them. It's happened long enough for them to consider eating wild grass. Okay, so the king, now he's the one that's in control here. Now, Elisha is still here in the town, but it is the king that's in authority. 
God is with you, but it is you that have to speak out. The power of God is with you, but it is you as the king of your territory. It is you that has to speak out. So this has gone on for a long time. And a lot of us have been under the gun. A lot of us have been without for a long time. We've suffered for a long time. And while we're suffering, we're blaming God. and We're blaming everybody else. Are you with me? I'm here to tell you, really, I mean, I, I, I don't like to like to use phrases, but if we catch a hold of this, I can tell you that your broke, miserable days are over. If you can catch a hold of what the Lord is saying. Now, hear me. And so as the king was walking along the wall, a woman cries to him, help, help my Lord, O king. And verse 27, and he said, if the Lord do not help thee, look at there. If the Lord doesn't help you, this is God's fault, sister. If the Lord doesn't help you, uh, when shall, when shall I help thee? Uh, out of the barn floor? There's, you know, there's no food there. Or out, out of the wine press? There's nothing over there. And the king said to her, uh, uh, what aileth thee? What, what's wrong, woman? What, maybe there's something that I can do. Just tell me what's wrong. What, what's going on? He thought that she was uh, looking for food. Help me, O king. I'm hungry. But she was coming to him because of a dispute of an injustice that she felt that was done to her. And she said to the king here, this woman said to me, rather, uh, this is what she was saying. Uh, and she answered, this woman said to me, so obviously she's there with another woman. She said, give me thy son that uh, we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And uh, I said unto her on the next day, give me rather give thy son that we may eat him. And she uh, hath hid her son. And that's why I'm mad, king, because she won't give us uh, she won't give me her son to eat. That's why I want you to help me with. She has been unjust. Make her give her son up so that I can eat him too. Wow. The famine so severe that now the mothers are eating the children. The mothers are consuming the children. Can you imagine that? Terrible, isn't it? You say, well, hey, that was back in Bible times. You know, people really don't don't do that. People won't do that today. They really won't. But understand, mothers, fathers are still consuming their children today to sustain their lifestyles. When we tell our baby, we take our baby's name and we take our baby's social security number and we use that number to turn on our lights or our gas. We are consuming them. We've consumed our own credit on our lifestyle, the things that, that we wanted. So now we turn to our children and devour their credit so that when they get of age, their credit is already jacked up of no fault of their own. Let me use their, let me use their social security number so I can turn my phone on or the gas on or the lights on. 
Let me use my child's name. Or, or we, uh, a lot of parents have forced their children into selling drugs. Get out there, baby. Make some money for us. Devouring their children to sustain their own lifestyle. Or maybe even sending their children out to uh, legitimate work. But they're 10 and they're 9. Get out there and help me get some money so I can pay my bills. Devouring their children so that they could sustain their life or their lifestyles. Still doing it today. In a time of famine, people will turn on each other when they don't understand who the real enemy is. Are you with me? And so the king here, he hears this. And so now finally, enough is enough. <laughs> um, if, if, if it wasn't eating a donkey's head, if, if that wasn't enough, or eating wild grass, if that wasn't enough, or just being hungry all the time, if that wasn't enough, now this is enough. He has been uh, to the broken the, to the breaking point he now this thing has broken him and now enough is enough my people are now eating their children because of this I cannot take this anymore and now change is about to occur when is enough enough for you what is it gonna take for you to rise and to seek peace of God like never before. How much more can you take? Another donkey's head? More wild grass? More hungry days? More blaming of God because of you, because of you, because of you, because of you, because of you. I'm like this because of you, because of you, because people just won't help me. They just won't help me. They got money and they won't give me nothing. How much more is it going to take before you reach the breaking point? What is it going to take? What is it going to take? Because all of us have different thresholds. And sometimes the very best thing that can happen is when our back is against the wall. This is when the fighter comes out on us. This is when that lion, that lioness comes out and we begin to roar, roar, and enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. And so King, he, he heard these words. Now look at verse number 30. Verse 30 says, and it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes. He tore his clothes. Ah, that's agony. And he passed by on the wall and looked. And the people looked as he was on the wall walking. The people looked and behold, he had sackcloth uh, within upon his flesh. Sackcloth is like a burlap sack um, uh, symbolizing uh, a state of mourning or symbolizing a, a deep affliction or humiliation. He was wearing it against his flesh as an undergarment. In other words, on the outside, he looked all regal and royal and he acted like everything was under control. I got this. But on the inside, he was in a deep depression. He was, he was afflicted and, uh, he, he was mourning. Uh, he was depressed. He was, he was worried. He was afraid. He was grieving on the inside. And I wonder how many of us have been sustaining this time of drought with a pleasant look on the outside, but inwardly we have on sackcloth and ashes. 
Don't want nobody to know how depressed you really are. But when he heard this, he tore his clothes. He ripped his clothes. Then everybody could see, oh, the king ain't doing so well. Oh, the pastor's not doing so well. He's not smiling like he used to smile. Oh, you see some of that sackcloth and ashes, don't you? Oh, mama's not doing so well. Oh, daddy's not doing so well. We see some of the sackcloth and ashes that inwardly there's been a deep travailing. Oh, God. Oh, God, deliver. Oh, God, heal. But see, when you see the sackcloth and ashes, that should tell you that deliverance is right around the corner. Oh, I tell you, because the king couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't do that. Enough was enough now. And let's look and see what he said. Because when enough is enough, you're going to begin to speak something. And he says, then uh, he said, God, so God do so and more also to me. If the head of Elisha, the son of the Shephat, shall stand upon his shall stand upon him this day. Oh, king, you're, you're at least you're going in the right direction, but you're still blaming the wrong person here. But the king was stirred to go toward the man of God. Now, why is that important? Because the first two people that got deliverance in chapter six also went straight to the man of God, also went into the presence of the Lord with boldness. The man with the axe head with boldness. Oh, last master, it was borrowed boldly. The, the Elijah's servant. Alas, master, what are we going to do? Boldly. And now the king is coming boldly. He's coming boldly into the presence of God. Remember, Elijah represented the presence of God. Now the king is coming boldly into his presence because, and he's taken the problem, the situation into the presence of the Lord. He's coming boldly. He's just not moaning within himself. He's just not in a deep depression he's not worried but now he's been backed into a corner and he says i can't take this anymore enough is enough and now i'm going boldly into the presence of god to find help in the time of need are you with me and so he said, but he said, the king here says, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to chop Elisha's head off because it's his fault. He's still blaming, but at least he's going to the right place. Are you with me? Let's look and see what happens. Verse 32. Uh, but Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him and the king sent a, a, a man from before him. Uh, but Ur, the messenger came to him. And said to the elders, now listen, before the king gets there, the king sends a messenger. And the messenger always comes with anybody? A message. That's right. And the message is from the king's heart. So the messenger is going to reveal the king's heart to Elisha. So before, the, before Elisha, before the king can get into the presence of God, God already knows his heart. Please understand something. The Lord already knows your heart. Sometimes we sing, we, we angry with God. We want to blame God. But before you get there, God already knows your heart. He already knows what you have need of even before you ask him. So before the king gets there, the king's heart is now revealed in the presence of the Lord. Now what happens here? The messenger says here, he says, uh, let's see here. It says, see ye how, uh, let me back up a little bit. 
Uh, he said, but ere the messenger came to him, uh, he said to the elder, see ye how this, uh, to the elders, see ye how this uh, son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Now, this is Elisha. He's in the house sitting with the elders. And before the messenger gets there, God already reveals to Elisha uh, what's going to happen. He already shows him in a vision or he has a divine knowing of what the king has done, uh, how the king has sent the messenger. And he already knows what message the messenger has before he knocks on the front door. Do you understand that? All right. And so he says, look. He says, look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. See, uh, he said, uh, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. Understand. So Elisha is in the house with the elders, uh, with the elders of the people of Israel here in Samaria. And while they're sitting around, maybe they're sitting around the fire talking, God shows him in a vision of what happened to the king. He shows him in a vision that the messenger is coming and he tells the people, look, uh, the messenger, a messenger is going to come from the, um, come from the king. And when he gets here, keep the door shut. Don't let him come in because his master, the king, uh, is coming right behind him. And so finally the knock on the door. And he tells him, hold it shut because the king has to come in first. Are you with me? All right. Verse number 33. And while he yet uh, talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him and said, behold, listen, here's the king's heart. Uh, Let's look at this. Behold, this evil is of who? The Lord. Here again, this is the king's heart. This evil is of the Lord. What should He said, uh, what or why can also be interpreted. Uh, Should I wait for the Lord any longer? He was blaming God for all of this stuff that was happening. He was blaming God. This evil is from God, he said. This is because of God. Why shall I wait on God any longer? Do you see this? This is why he couldn't get up because he was thinking this i'm in this situation uh because i'm supposed to be broke i'm not supposed to have anything uh so this is i'm supposed to live in this house this one bedroom box under a bridge god has me here it's because of him that i'm here and i'm just suffering for the lord i'm just suffering for the name of the lord it's because of him that i don't have two pennies to rub together and that i can't help my children in need because i'm suffering for the lord i'm suffering for the Lord how much can you take you see here the king was saying I've been waiting on God but God been saying I've been waiting on you because immediately here in the seventh chapter verse number one it says then Elisha said hear ye the word of the Lord the word of the Lord was waiting on the king all this time This drought or this famine could have lasted a day. It could have lasted 20 days. Uh, It could have lasted two years. I don't know how long it was, but understand if the king had just come boldly before the Lord, it would have cut that time down. The word was waiting on the king. And I'm telling you today, it is the word of God that's waiting on you. But you've got to come before the Lord boldly. Now we're going to look at that as we're closing now. And so the word of the Lord says, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time, 
shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shackle. That's for pennies. Now we're talking about fine flour. Whoa. Tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Wait a minute. Tomorrow? Today we've been eating uh, uh, um, donkey's heads uh, and we've been eating wild grass and um, some of the people have gotten a little loony and they're eating their children. And you're telling me that in in 24 hours or less, about this time, we're going to be eating fine flour? God said, thus said the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to be eating uh, fine flour. He said that they'd be sold for a shackle, just pennies, and two measures of barley for a shackle uh, in, the, in the gates of Samaria, right there in your gates. You're going to sell it again. Isn't that wonderful? And, and listen, now here come the doubters. Say doubters. Then a Lord on, whom's, uh, on, on whose uh, hand the king leaned answered the man of God. Uh, now, this is one of the king's captains. So, listen, this reveals that the king of Israel here had an army. They had an army, but they were willing, they were more willing to starve than to go out and confront the enemy. The enemy that was at their gates. Why not say, army, let's go and confront them. Draw your swords, let's go. How much can you take? You were more, more, they were more willing to starve to death than to confront the enemy. More willing to eat donkey's heads and donkey brains or something like that. Donkey eyeballs, donkey tongue, all the mm-mm good stuff in the donkey's head. They want to do that more than confront the enemy. Isn't that us? Whether just tough it out than to do the hard stuff that you know you got to do. Mm, hope you enjoy them donkey brains. He said, tomorrow about this time, this thing's going to change. But the king said, now the king is representative of us, of course. Blaming God, and now we're fed up enough. I can't take this no more. Now we're going to go boldly before the throne of God. Now we're going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, set the alarm clock, and I'm going to go boldly and resist the devil and resist the devil and bind him and declare my rights in the sight of God. I will have my family back. I will have the finances. I will succeed. I will not die, but will live to declare the works of the Lord. Now I'm going to rise. Enough is enough. So now the king is bold. But there are people in his life that he leans on for advice. Now he's, how he's heard the word of God that in 24 hours, this thing's about to change. What do you mean? I'm in bankruptcy. I can't get credit enough to buy a candy bar. They won't take my credit. To buy. In 24 hours, the whole thing's about to change. In just 24 hours hours it's all about to change god's about to turn the tables for your good in 24 hours about this time tomorrow oh king god's been waiting on you about this time tomorrow he's been waiting on you in prayer early morning prayer he said he's i've been waiting on you you've been waiting on me to move but i've been waiting on you to move move them covers back get out of that bed and come and talk to me i've been waiting on you the lord says but now that you're here let me tell you hmm let me show you my glory now let me show you what i can do in 24 hours your life will change 
And so now when the king's advisor says, he says, he said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, thou shalt see it. Elisha said, behold, you're going to see it uh, with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. He said, what, what? The man is blaspheming. The kid, this, this captain of the army, captain of the host, one of king's advisors said, look, king, don't listen to what that man got to say. Because, look, if God himself were to open up windows in heaven, actually open up the fabric of space and pour down stuff, it, it can't help it. It, it. No, no, no. God, even God can't do that. Even God can't get you out of bankruptcy. Even God can't help your marriage now. Even God can't heal your body now. Even God can't do it. So the man of God said, oh, you better slow your roll, brother. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. Yes, it, yes, it is going to happen. And you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you won't be able to taste one bit of it. Won't be able to taste one bit of it. Now, as we come to this speedy close in my fifth closing now. How did God deliver Elisha from the army, uh, from the uh, Syrian army? What was in the hills? What was in the mountains that the servants saw? Anybody remember? Chariots of fire. Angels, chariots of fire. Those invisible resources. What did he deliv- deliver him with the last time? Chariots of fire. What did he deliver them with the last time? Chariots of fire. All right. So he said, you'll see it, but you won't be able to taste anything of it. Now we're going to move on down. Uh, uh, there were four leprous men now. They were stand, sitting on the outskirts of the city. You can read more about it later. And they were sitting there and they said, uh, why are we going to sit here and die? We don't have any money. What are we going to do? One, one of them spoke up and said, well, you know, if we sit here, we're going to die. He said, if we go into the city, there's no food there in Samaria. We know that. We don't have any silver to pay for that high, expensive donkey head everybody's been eating. That donkey tongue smells good on the fire, but we don't have uh, four or, or 80 pieces of silver to get a good donkey head between the four of us here. He said, we, if it, there's no food in the city. And he said, and if we go out to the Samaritan army, you know, they're going to kill us over there too. So what are we going to do? Are we gonna, we, what are we going to do? They say, well, why should we hear and die? Let's go ahead and read it. And uh, verse 4, uh, verse 3, it says, And there were four leprous men uh, at the gates, uh, at, the, at the entering end of the gates. And, and they said one to another, Why sit we here uh, until we die? If we say uh, we will enter into the city, uh, then the famine is in the city. And if we, uh, uh, rather, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall upon the host of the Syrians. Remember that Syrian army that's been out there, right? Let us fall upon the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. We got nothing to lose. Let's go and confront this thing. Verse 5. And they rose up uh, in the twilight uh, to go uh, to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come uh, to the uttermost part of the camp who of the Syria of Syria, behold, there was no man there. There was nobody there. 
that big old army that had been threatening the people of God for a long time now, possibly months or years, there was nobody there. It says, for the Lord. Now, why, why is that? For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of what? Chariots. And a noise of what? Horses. Even uh, the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, lo, the king of Israel have hired against us uh, the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore, they rose and fled in the twilight and, and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Hallelujah. So in less than 24 hours at daybreak, the Lord allows the enemy's camp to hear the sound of the chariots of fire. Hallelujah. He allowed them to hear that mighty army, the resources. God mobilized his army. Boom, 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 boom. And God's chariots of angels were rolling. Why? Because the king got bold. I got to go before the Lord. I can't take this anymore. And God said, finally, We've been waiting on you to get some boldness, get some confidence in God. God said, all right, army, move out. And the enemy's army heard that invisible army and they were terrified. Terrified. And they left the camp just like it was. They fled for their lives. They left their horses, that is their cars. They left their money in the tent. They left their, their tents, that is their houses. They left their food. They left everything. Now this was, understand this, this was the entire Syrian army. The Bible says all of the host. So these were hundreds, if not thousands, possibly thousands of men that had horses, thousands of tents, and much food because every man had to eat. So now, in less than 24 hours, there is food oh plenty. There are horses oh plenty. There are monies and jewelry and all that stuff that the army was carrying. All that oh plenty is now in the camp. Say praise the Lord. Let's go and finish this thing out. And uh, they went up and saw everything. The Lord caused them to hear the noise. And look at verse 8. And, and when these lepers came to the other part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drank. Oh, Lord. And carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also gold, you know, gold, silver, and raiment and went and hid it. Boy, they were living up large now. We got more than enough eat. Them, them lepers were walking around with bellies so fat. Hallelujah. They had hid their monies, hid the monies, the gold, the silver. What, but a few minutes ago, them folk, they were about to die. They were starving and broke. But now, in just a few minutes, now they're all rich and fully fed. Hallelujah. God turned it in a moment of time. Well, they realized we just can't keep this good news to ourselves. We got to go and tell somebody. So they went back to the king and they told, they told the king's uh, ambassador there. They said, hey, the Syrian army is not there anymore. There's nobody out there. There's nobody out there. There's no threat because the king of heaven has dealt with the enemy. 
the king of heaven has heard your your request and has released his army. There's nobody out there. Well, what did the king do? Did the king rejoice? No, he said, mm. he said, no, I'll tell you what's happening. Uh-uh. Uh, the Syrian army is just, they're out there and they're hiding and they're waiting on us to come out. That's what they're doing. They're waiting on us to come out. Uh, and then they're going to devour us. But somebody had the sense to say, well, king, let's just send somebody out there to check it out. <laughs> and look at their bellies. King, they mighty fat. So the king of, the king of Israel sends out Sends out some spies there. Said they go out on the horses. And then look around. It is so. And they went a little bit further. And they went all the way up the road. And all the way up the road. All they saw was the Syrian army's clothes. Because them folk were so scared. They ran out of the clothes. They found their hats and their shirts and their undergarments. Them folk, they were so scared. They ran out of their clothes. You need to go home and finish reading it for yourself. They ran out of the clothes. And so they go back to the king. King, it is so. It is so. There is food. There is so much food, king. Oh, you should have seen the sausage. Oh, there is so much food, king. There's money. There's tents. There's horses. There's a lot of stuff here, king. And the king said, okay, well, let's go. And then the, somehow the people get wind of it. And this captain, remember before the one who said, if God will open up winds of heaven, it can't happen. Well, he was the gatekeeper and he was trying to, and he was standing at the gate and, uh, and, and and the people of Israel were so hungry. Oh, oh, food, food, oh, food, food. The Bible says that they trampled him over at the gate and he died. So he saw it, yeah, but he sure didn't eat it. He tried to hold back, hold back, people, hold back. No, no, no. Once the people of God see, once the people of God know, you can't hold us back. Every bit of doubt cannot hold us. You cannot restrain us. When we've said enough is enough, I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of going without. Enough is enough is enough is enough. And God said, well, good God, thank the Lord. I'm glad that you're finally saying enough is enough. Now, let me give you a word. When is enough for you? Can you take a little bit more punishment? Another month with no money. Another peel, another sickness. Can, how much is enough? How much will provoke you to seek the presence of God? Well, next time we'll look at the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter. You can write this down. Hebrews 4, verse 15 through 16. And Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, they speak of us as Christians, modern-day Christian believers, going before the throne of God with boldness, with confidence, with assurance, to find grace and favor in the time of need. The Father's there. And if you're tired of what you've been going through, God's, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. When you say enough is enough, when you say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray until the heavens start shaking. Then your enemy will hear God's divine resources. And you'll see him flee. Because there's nothing that he has, nothing that the enemy has that can stop what God has. I pray you've heard the word of God today, saints of God. 
we're done in Jesus' mighty name. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. 